0: Hey guys, I hope you're loving the Making Bank episodes. Please make sure you guys like and share these episodes as well as comment below for the guests. They love to come back and interact with you. And I really appreciate you watching and listening to Making Bank. So thank you.
1: You are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business.
0: Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Excited for today's guest, Ree Perez, David Meltzer, Chris Wiley, Jamie Mustard, Ryan Kuhn, John McDonald, Jonathan Kaiser. What are some of the big things that you have found to, I guess, from a branding standpoint, almost like uh, these are the
2: things that you shouldn't do? (laughs) Yeah. So it's, well, there's, there's a handful of things and sort of, like, that's what I sort of unpack in the book. And I like to sort of tease out a couple of things just to sort of wrap people's brains around it. Like, for so sure. for example, um, <laughs> one of the case studies, cause I like to teach using real life case studies with, with the clients that I've worked with. Right. And so, um, my first year in business, actually, I was, I was still in New York and, uh, I was with, um, I was talking with a company called massage America. Okay. And, um, so he's like, he was interested in in going through his branding. He's like, something's, quite, something's not quite right. It's a little bit off, and I don't know. And I said, well, it's more than just a logo. Aside from the fact that the logo really needed updating, I said, it's so much more than that. I said, well, I said, how many locations do you have throughout America? And uh, he says, well, well, just this one in, in Union Square in Manhattan. And then he said, okay, well. Is massage services the only services that you provide? He's like, No, we offer uh, acupuncture and wellness coaching and nutrition. And I said, Then why the hell are you called Massage America? <laughs> right. That's an inauthentic name. You have one location and you do other things besides massage. So, uh, anyway, that was just sort of a, a, a fun way to sort of storytell that uh, when your name is inauthentic mm. to that which you offer and that which you provide, uh, you know, it, you will only go so far. So right. we rebranded We rebranded the name to M-Power, just the letter M, M-Power Bodywork. So the shift from massage to bodywork now created a better umbrella for his services. And M-Power was a bit more of an, an, an evocative name to tell the story about what all of those Bodywork services do as a benefit for their customers. That it, it empowers them, right? Sure. So, um, so anyway, that was just the sort of a shift. And so, like you know, having an authentic name is is one of the top things. Having an authentic um, why and purpose to your business is another thing that 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 I wrestle with and and help clients uncover. And then also just having um, an authentic message. You know, so a message is sort of a big one. Everyone's like, "What's my message?" Right. Uh, and if you want to convey a message that uh, you know, just use a polarizing example. Let's say your your message is 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 the opposite of Gary Vaynerchuk, right? <laughs> Let's say you're the anti hustle, right? <laughs> if that's your message, right? So, what are you going to say that's distinct from? other people who are clearly have a strong message. And what points to that too is that usually your message should have a point of view. And that's when you can kind of dig deeper into more authentic brands. Authentic brands have a strong polarizing point of view. So don't pick a message because it's what converts online or it's because what what you think you should say. Have a message that is true to what you stand for
0: what's something in the book you're like man Josh okay I hope you'd ask this so (laughs) drop me something that's super cool from in the book that you haven't shared elsewhere yet
2: wow you know so it's so funny it's like I was like all right do I share this here or do I share no I'm just kidding (laughs) you know I don't I can't promise that I'll never share this again but it is sort of integral to to you know the book and to why I wrote the book and and really what the message is but um, you know like like many of us growing up Uh, in middle school and high school um you know we all want to be liked (laughs) right all want to be accepted and i think for me uh you know what i didn't share earlier is that i'm no different you know i've always found myself to actually be different uh in many scenarios that i've been in and and when you're younger you know it's you know, you don't have the consciousness to sort of like learn how to deal with it. But as you can sort of, as I get older, it's like, all right, it's okay to be me and, mm. um, and rather embrace my differences, uh, embrace that I do have something unique. But the real message there is that if more people can just be authentic and real with one another, uh, I actually think the world would be uh, that much, uh, uh, of a, of a better place because now you're dealing with what's with what's real rather than mask or the facade or the preconceived notions that you have of yourself or others. And we could just be more real with one another. (laughs) So anyway, you know, just from my own experience, and I kind of do talk a little bit about my own struggle and journey growing up as a, you know, growing up over, over the years of how, how it being different, you know, I had to turn, turn survival mechanisms into a way to, to just be able to, to be me. And when you arrive at a place, whether you're a personal brand or a business brand, when you're just authentically you, to be honest, you're, you're more powerful and you're more, um, I think you're more successful to be honest. Awesome, man.
0: What were some of the biggest changes that you had to make that were the hardest for you to get now to where you are today?
1: That's a great question. So the number one thing was my relationship to money. Okay. I I had to figure out because I I had faith, right? I was an emotional person, I was a good person, but I was all screwed up with my relationship with money. Mm -hmm. I truly believe money bought happiness and love. Right. And I and I I couldn't get it out of my mind. All right, like where does money fit into this then? Like because money was super important to me. And when I made the shift that I don't give to get, that it wasn't a trade, that My real responsibility was to get more so I could give more. Mm. I started the paradigm and then I started saying to myself, money is important because it's a currency. It's an object of energy we put into the flow that we get things. Green cards, they buy so much. Gold cards buy more. Platinum cards buy more and black cards buy even more. Right. But I was missing the equivalent currency to blend it with, which was faith. If you have green card faith, You're only going to get so much out of the universe. You're going to have all this interference, corrosion, voids and obstacles in your way. Gold card, a little more platinum more. But if you could have black card faith with black card money, you could buy what you wanted, but buy the right things. So I started saying, I'm going to, be really, I'm not gonna feel unworthy or guilty about what I have like I always did because I grew up in Akron, Ohio with nothing and I made more money in one day than my mom made in a year. And all this guilt and these energetic feelings that I started realizing that I had that made me feel bad about myself because I was receiving. Instead, it was like, wait a second, what if I was receiving for everyone else, not receiving so I could give to get more, right? It wasn't trading anymore. It was allowing things to come through me, not in the world of just enough where it was just for me, but a world of more than enough with more than enough of everything with complete faith, black card faith, that there's more than enough of everything for everyone. And I could get it without any guilt, which is what I'm teaching the guys that I do executive coaching with now. My clients are doing so well. And the biggest complaint I have is I feel guilty. I can't tell anyone. I feel bad that I'm doing so well. I'm like, no, 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 no. You can't be poor enough to make people rich. You can be rich enough to make people rich. Mm, You go receive anything with a purpose of giving it away. You go receive more than anyone's ever received And so that shift allowed me to clear all this interference, obstacles, voids, and shortages that were illusions in my life. And it opened up the floodgates. And I decided money doesn't buy happiness, but it allows me to shop. And if I shop for the right things, I'm going to be happy. And if I shop for the wrong things, I'm going to be unhappy again. And so I started shopping for the right things, things that were aligned with my personal experiential giving and receiving values, which is my personal. First piece of advice for people: Take inventory of your values. If you don't take inventory as your value and you can't accept that you're a hypocrite, meaning your values are going to change because you're growing and accelerating, you are not going to know your what. You only know right. your what when you know what you
0: value. Then you can determine this is what I want, and you can change your mind every day. To, you know, understanding and really knowing, because I think people tend to go through and never assess. And understand what those values are that makes that drives them that puts them on whatever path that they're on, and so yeah. I think that's a huge step for sure.
1: Uh, yeah, and I mean, there's a combination of other things that you can do. I would say, though, especially during this time of uncertainty, that people need to take inventory,
0: and the first thing they need to take
1: inventory is of their
0: values. Can you br- kind of break down what that path to happiness is, or those steps that you kind of look at? Yeah, so
1: understanding, first of all, the energy you're receiving. So there's four things that I teach. Okay. And, and then I do it pragmatically, but one is gratitude. Which allows you to have the perspective, the light, the love and the lessons, learning to love what you do, creating the enjoyment of everything. So gratitude. And we start with a simple practice. You can do it today to try to say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up for 30 straight days. So I have really challenging homework that I give people to start. Uh, The second one is forgiveness because forgiveness gives you peace. Mm -hmm. So you need perspective. You need peace and you only have to forgive one person. So I teach people to forgive themselves so that they can give forgiveness to others. I always tell them, hey, that guy does not deserve your forgiveness. You deserve (laughs) to forgive him. And then third, accountability gives you control. So happiness, you need to feel like you have security or control of your life. So I teach people that you attract everything to your life and you need to learn a lesson from it. So everything that happens is not in blame, shame, or justification, it's what have I learned from this happening and how and what I'm supposed to learn from it. Finally, the core is inspiration, understanding the difference between motivation and inspiration. Motivation is like rocket fuel, it'll get you up, it'll get you back up, it'll blow you out of this universe, but it's not gonna get you to Mars inspiration is gonna get you to march in spirit, understanding that you are already connected to the greatest source of energy, love, light, and lessons. And it's your job to get out of your own way, to clear the interference, corrosion, connection between you and that powerful source of light, allow it to come through you with appreciation, forgiveness, and accountability to add value to it and give it to everything else that you're connected to, to empower others, to empower others. So that's the formula that I get into grave detail, just like I did pragmatic detail that makes more sense knowing that we live in a quantum universe of material goods and things, teaching you to shop for the right things, teaching you the importance of money, all the things that are counterintuitive to happiness. I
0: make intuitive and aligned with happiness. That's awesome. What is something like, all right, man, I'm hoping Josh is going to ask me this, but he hasn't yet, you know, cause I really want to share it. What, what, I guess, what would that look like? Or what, what is that?
3: Yeah, great question. And I think that the biggest thing is For any difficulty you have, is the biggest problem when it comes to anything mentally that's slowing yourself down is to realize the problem isn't the problem. It's just that you don't have control over it, right? So if you're having difficulty sleeping, shutting off your brain at night, you know, as opposed to just going and figuring, you know, what's wrong with me or this, that, and the other thing, just to realize it's just an opportunity for you to learn how to control your own mind. Right? And, and to the realize there's a paradox where every single person who comes in tells me they have a bad memory. Right. I can ask what, them, what, well, why don't you tell me some of the things that you remember you forget? Yeah. <laughs> Next thing you know, they got a list of 20 items that they remember that they forget. Yeah. So every single person is doing the exact abilities that they think they can. If you have a kid who you think has ADD, I sit and check them out in the waiting room. I look at the kids. I see them glued to iPads, playing advanced games, blocking out sounds, reading instructions. You're telling me that kid can't focus? (laughs) True, yeah. Your brain is capable of every ability that you think you can't do. And then number two, it's just a matter of getting into those desired states. It's why we drink coffee, right? Because you know, we drink coffee, our brain waves change, it helps us focus better. So just think yeah. about it, whenever you're working on a problem, think about not only wanting to solve the solution, but also think about what's going to be the most useful state, brain state for you to be in to help you solve the problem and blast past it. So that- those, are, those are kind of two things. And, you know, the next time you're thinking about, you are know, even arguing with your spouse, you just think about it, you know, is it really worth it or... <laughs> <laughs> Or this is where you practice your NLP skills a little bit. You match her a little bit. You build a little rapport a little bit. And, you know, you make your life easier. So right. Is, you know, we want to we want to make things as easy as possible so that way we can keep shooting past them and keep going after the bigger, brighter dreams and the next thing. So it all boils down to you kind of taking control of your own state of consciousness and then developing more awareness as to how other people work, which mm. then is going to give me the greater ability to influence them. So... I mean, yeah. that's the most powerful kind of sales persuasion thing. I mean, there's a lot of beautiful kind of strategies and systems. But right. It doesn't be, I mean, nothing beats you being able to figure out how someone thinks, right? The exact process they use to make a decision for that product or service. And sure. then literally tailoring your presentation, the images you make, where you put things, how you present things, the language you use to fit their brain absolutely perfectly. Yep. I mean they're going to look at you smile and go, "I love you, Josh." <laughs> <laughs> you understand me?
0: <laughs> For sure. Yeah, so the, and you're kind of and what you're talking about is, you know, whether they're kind of seeing, you know, whether it's visually kinet, kinesthetic or auditory, kind of how they're how they think through everything, how they see stuff or hear stuff or Yeah. Yeah, you have people tell you, "Look, look, look Josh, man, I,
3: I love your program. I want to go your program." Just what can you tell me? right now to just give me that absolute feeling, yes, that I'm gonna do it. So people tell you that all the time. Yeah. So they're telling you, A, they want it, B, all you need to do is one thing. You just need to give them that juicy yes feeling and that gives them the certainty to buy the product. So what I do, I just go, well, you know, Jessica, have you ever seen something in the moment you saw it, you knew it was perfect and you just had to have it? And she goes, oh yeah, there's been something like that. Okay, okay well, why don't you notice that? You know. <laughs> This sales training course, that feeling is going to be five times as powerful because you're going to learn the skills to influence any brain at all. Like, do you want to learn the skills how to influence people's brain and behavior? And she goes, yeah. I go, well, you can't have that till you take the course.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, that's great. <laughs> I'll take it. You know? <laughs> One of the things, too, I mentioned in the bio and stuff was the, um, the art of – you know, being obvious, you know, the obviousness, what kind of maybe touch base on that and then, you know, how we can utilize that um, to become, because it, it's, uh, you know, about those, I guess, those simple tasks that we learn and and then being able to it just right in front of us, but that we may not see it.
4: Okay. Well, I think it's kind of like, I give this example, like a lot of people think they want to be obvious and get attention. I do a lot of public speaking, no matter how much I do it, once all eyes are on me it always freaks me out i do it i always go am i sure i wanted to do this and i'm like oh yeah um i i I promoted that i do this so i want to be here but it's not comfortable to be obvious so we have to push past that a lot of people think they want to be seen and then when they start using my technique they're like everybody's looking at me and it makes (laughs) us uncomfortable so a true person that wants to be an iconist has to push back past that discomfort I think I answered your question. Um, so uh, what was the thing that you said? Yeah, I don't know. Was it, was it Did that answer it? Yeah, so
0: yeah, just I guess it was just basically the most simple thing that's in front of us that may not seem obvious. Okay. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I mean, once you read my book and you start understanding how these blocks work, you're gonna see them everywhere. It's gonna change the way you see the world. Like if I said to you, Josh, you're living in geometry. I want you to walk around the block and you can't come back to you counted every geometric shape around your block it would take you a month even though you don't think you're living in geometry every brick every arch everything is made of a circle a square a half circle a rectangle a triangle it's the building blocks of architecture so once you kind of see these thi- This is why we pay attention to everything. Once you start to understand the concept in my book, you're going to see it everywhere. And all- you will not be able to unsee it. Kind of like you don't think you're living in geometry. But once I point it out to you, it's obvious that that's right. all you're living in. Super cool. A- yeah. Tell people one last thing
0: that you're like, man, I hope Josh was going to ask me this, but he didn't um, let people know what that might be.
4: I mean, I kind of touched on it, but I would just touch on it again. I kind of wish you maybe would have. I mean, you know, listen, this was a really good interview. We covered a lot of ground in a very short time. So, I mean, I think you pretty much asked me everything, but I will I will say, what is dilution and what is it doing to entrepreneurs who are the people that are driving innovation and driving our economy economically? And I would, I would have said dilution is... All the people being inundated with so much messaging that they're not paying attention to the things they need anymore. And if you want to be successful, the first thing that you need, no matter what you do, before you do anything, is attention. And if you don't have remediate attention, you don't have a chance. And so I wish you would have just said, what is the most important problem facing uh, entrepreneurs in a modern digital internet economy. And I would have said the ability to grab attention because once you have people's attention you and you have a great thing, they'll they'll take it, they'll buy it. Entrepreneurs solve problems. Uh, they come to us for, so, uh, they, they come to entrepreneurs so they can get their problem solved. But if you can't get their attention, you can't solve their problem. So this book will allow you to get attention at will with deliberation every time so that you can, Contribute to the world as an entrepreneur.
0: Awesome, man. What were some of the challenges that you guys ran into that? You're just like, man, I don't know if we're gonna be able to get through this and move forward with this. Uh, and then I how did you overcome that?
5: Yeah, great question. I mean, every, probably every entrepreneur you talk to has got their war stories. Right. their <laughs> <they're, they're laughs> battle wounds of, of things that they tried that didn't work. I mean, for us, I think early on we made the mistake that every entrepreneur makes really. And we said, look, we're going to focus on product first. Um, We built the product and then we started thinking about how do we market it? How do we sell it? Okay. Uh, In hindsight. And this is number one tip I share with every, every person I talk to is um, and everyone in the audience should think this way is rather than focus on building a product, build your audience instead of building your minimum viable product, which is what the lean startup methodology preaches, focus on building your MVA, your minimum viable audience. And you can do that through a blog. You can do that through an email capture. You can do that through, I mean, a podcast. I mean, all of these different ways that you can build your audience. And then once you've got that audience established and you've got people who trust you, then you can start thinking about layering on a product or a service or something else um, that you can you can bring to them. So not focusing enough on that audience was was by far mistake number one. There there are a handful of others that we've I mean made mistakes with, but um, I would say like that's number. One. One to one through a hundred, and then <laughs> we start getting into like other problems that we've encountered.
0: <laughs> and then just maybe one last insight or a couple tips that you have just for everybody. It could be around right now or just in general that you've learned kind of throughout your journey.
5: Yeah, I think the, the key is learning, um, and I've I've mentioned that word throughout. I think for me personally, um, where I've gotten the most satisfaction through my career, through my journey as an entrepreneur, is continuing to learn also continuing to invest in others learning. So everyone on our team, I spend a lot of time trying to help uh, them learn, grow and develop their own personal skills. So learning is key. Um, I think now more than ever, just go acquire those skills, Uh, invest in yourself, go read all the great content up on your blog, Josh or anything else that's out there. I mean, go, go, Better yourself. I mean, that, that's really what it all comes down to. Is right. Is, is um, go make something. Go learn something. Just do it. Awesome. What have you guys found through
0: your experience? Where either websites are not doing them correctly, or those some of those challenges that are making it difficult for you know somebody to convert.
6: Yeah. So I think the best way to think about this. You know, there's there's hundreds of tactics that I see every day people are doing incorrectly. Uh, but the best way to summarize this and think about it is, if you wouldn't do it in a retail store, don't do it on your website. Okay. So think about it this way, pop-ups, right? If there's one thing I could eliminate from the internet, it's going to be these email capture pop-ups or, or sale pop-ups that as soon as you come to a website, they just jump out at you and interrupt your flow, right? Mm. Now think about this. If you had a retail store and I walked into your retail store and you immediately jumped out with me with a clipboard and said, Give me your email address. I'll give you a discount. The first thing I'm probably gonna do is like be confused. One, right? Like right. I don't even I, I don't even know what you sell yet. If you can help me do that research, I, I don't know anything about you, but I'm gonna sign up for your email. Like it's a little too early in that process. It's very disruptive. So if you think about that, if you know, the experience that I think a lot of e-commerce site owners miss is that they don't consider the consumer on the other side of the screen because okay. they can't see them. Right. right. Where in a retail store, you wouldn't do that because it's a human-to-human interaction. Sure. And so I think a lot of people or a lot of e-commerce brands we work with are, are missing that empathy. And it's not that they don't have empathy. It's the fact that they're too close to their site. Right. Right. They, it, I always say this, but it's really hard to read the label from inside the jar. If you're too close to your site, you really can't understand what that new to file customer experience is. And that's where we can come in and and really help brands to track that data of what are consumers doing on the site and why are they deserting?
0: Cool. What are some of the things then, you know, when you guys go in then that you're seeing like, all right, cool. We want to, is there kind of like a common top two or three things that you guys implement right away in businesses Mm -hmm. that um, you take that, that you're working with?
6: Yeah, generally, uh, we want to make sure that they're tracking the right data. Okay. So that's the first step because you want to be making data-backed decisions. You really sure. don't want to guess. Uh, and so the best way to do that is to um, start tracking every click and movement, as I mentioned. So, of course, analytics. Almost every brand we work with has some type of analytics. Most brands, especially uh, you know, smaller brands, are going to be using Google Analytics, uh, which is a great platform but most brands aren't even looking at that analytics. I mean, you'd be surprised some of the, you know, hundreds of millions of dollar brands that we work with that have analytics set up and they're really not paying attention to it. Okay. Um, and it's just, you know, they just, be, they've been growing so quickly that they, they're like, yeah, I haven't really paid attention to that. Right. Just You know, we, we put all our money in advertising and, you know, I go in and, and we look at their data and they have a really, really low return on ad spend. And it's because they're not optimizing around that site experience. So first thing we want to do is make sure they're, people have analytics, and then that they're looking at it on a regular basis and learning from that, noticing trends, right? Day-to-day is not gonna really help you that much, but every week trend, every month, every year over year, those are the trends that you really wanna be looking at.
0: Let's say somebody's going into, they want to reinvent and rebuild that from the inside out. What's kind of that first part of the process?
7: Sure, so the thing that I would say is the hardest part for most people is getting out of their own heads and figuring out how to be present and how to really ask good questions to identify what people may need. Because regardless of what, you know, people are people. And they're individuals that have needs and and that have wants and desires. And so the more that you can focus your energy on whoever's in front of you, that you want to do business with, sure. And instead of trying to pitch or say how great you are, here's all the things I've done. Right. You're really getting to know them. You're really looking for ways to serve them, and it becomes this incredible process where they, that people actually feel heard. They feel they feel liked. They feel desired. And if it's authentic, it creates this kind of quick speed to trust in the relationship, because everybody else is always trying to get something first. Right. So we try okay. to give something first. So with that, then what are you like working
0: with each of your employees Mm -hmm. here and everything because i know one of the things i mentioned as we're walking through was everybody's kind of on the same level we are there's no like hierarchy or different like that Mm -hmm. different things like that in the company so how like i guess what are you doing to empower each of those Mm -hmm. individuals then to uh create that service and that self-service that's a great question selflessness so
7: i love i love authenticity okay as a word I love vulnerability as a word. Mm. And so one of the things that I say about these principles is that the hardest part about creating a culture of selfless service is you as the leader have to actually live this stuff. (laughs) For sure, yeah. You actually actually, have to do it, (laughs) right? And how do you know that you're doing it? Because most organizations are set up where they push down negative feedback to the top because the top normally doesn't want to hear it. So for us, we actually have an award and it's called... the courage to disagree award and it's designed for some for me <laughs> right. right so when someone sees me not living one of these things we have a, we've created a culture right where they're rewarded where uh, they're applauded where okay. they they get to put an award on their thing for, for, for pointing out so this so this culture then becomes something that's not mine okay and it's not just words on a wall that i don't live but right. i expect everybody else to live sure. like a lot of organizations but this becomes something that's alive And that creates our culture daily and that other people can buy into and say this is me and that's how you do it and that's why we've been able to be successful because we've been able to attract the best people that are aligned around this philosophy that have been looking for something like this their entire lives and we don't punish mistakes and so it's like people are empowered they're empowered to go do their best and pitch in and You know, most organizations are the opposite of that. Most people people contributed about 30 to 40% of what they could to the organizations they work for because they dislike the culture. They dislike their manager. They don't feel heard, whatever the case may be. So we empower our people. One of the things that you
0: said that was really interesting was when they were helping each other out and growing. So obviously you guys are in the commercial real estate space. Mm -hmm. There's deals happening Mm -hmm. and things like that. How are they then working as a team or working to help each other close those deals or, you know, as the deals are coming in, you know, people aren't like, oh, those are mine. Those are the best leads.
7: You you don't
2: get those. Again, it
7: starts with culture because if you focus on behavior, it's a step ahead of where you need to focus on. Sure. Got to get the right people wired the right way embedded in the culture. So that's the first part. It's very, very important. So I guess then, how do you then
0: do, obviously with your hiring process, mm-hmm. how do you then extract and find out
7: to make sure those are the right people for your culture? The, yeah, that's a whole process, right? <laughs> that's what I and figured. And sometimes we still make the wrong sure, it happens. choice, yeah. you know, and I've had to let people go and that wasn't always easy. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do to keep your culture alive. So I guess and that's m- the number one lesson I've learned, actually, is get try, rid of, get get, rid of you, the people that are totally of, not yeah, there. Yeah, and it yeah, doesn't mean they're sure. bad, it just means they're not a fit. Right? It just means they're misaligned with your culture. Yes. So anyways, going back to your question, what makes it different is that when I was at a traditional firm, right, I never talked about the deals that I was working on, ever. You because I didn't want anybody to know out. about them, okay. steal them, whatever. Sure. Oh, yeah. So so there was no collaboration, no mm. assistance, massive secrecy. Here, <laughs> we leverage all of our collective knowledge, market... market data, right. all the things that we could help each other, we do that and we do it freely and we do it with the understanding that the more that we serve, the more that ultimately comes back to us. Mm. So this whole concept of give and you shall receive, right. and this is not a new idea. No, right? it's not, It's, a, it's yeah. been around for yeah. a long yeah. right. time <laughs> and we all kind of get it as humans in our personal lives. Sure. Right? We know how to do it with our kids and with our families. And then we get into business and some somehow we think we got to, like, get all tough and fight, fight, fight. Right. And my message is, hey, what if you didn't? What if there was a better way? What if you could actually love and serve people and win and make bank and be successful? And that's the point. That's that missing connection for me growing up as a missionary kid was poor equals service. Sure. Rich equals ruthless. So I'm drawing a slash through that and saying I figured out how to, how to love and serve. Yep and still kick ass and
0: take names i am josh felber you are watching making bank get out and be extraordinary
1: thank you for listening to making bank